That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday, June 26. It is the Bill Press Show live on youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, live on Facebook, live on your favorite progressive talk radio station, and not so live, but live to tape on your favorite podcast listening device. That's right. We are on iTunes. We are at billpressshow.com. Anywhere you want to get your podcast, you can listen to us. Uh, like I said, go to iTunes and download it, or just go to BillPressShow.com. We have everything there, everything you need. Oh, God. One of those weekends where the news just does not stop. Uh, the news continued to happen, even though we took the weekend off. We have so much stuff to talk about today. Don't worry. We're going to cover all of it as adequately as I can. Not spectacularly. Not wonderfully. But Never. Adequately. Hey, look. Aim for adequate, maybe you'll over-deliver, right? Uh, anyway, we got a great, great, great show coming up. We're going to be joined by some of the big brains on all the things happening. Sam Baker, our friend, uh, formerly the National Journal, now at Axios. He's their healthcare editor. Plus, our buddy Joel Payne will be joining us, and Igor Babich from the HuffPost. HuffPost will be here uh, in the second hour of the program. All of that coming up, but first... This is the Full Court Press. Jamie Benz. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Monday morning. A new study from the personal finance website, Simply Thrifty Living, calculating the average price of a 24-pack of beer in every state in this United States of America. Oh, wow. Now, I drank a lot of beer this weekend, so I can tell you what I like. What the going rate is where I paid. What state were you in? I was in Maryland. Okay, Maryland does not show up on either the 10 least expensive or 10 most expensive, so consider it somewhere in the middle. All right, that's fair. Any guesses for the, we'll start with most expensive state? California. California is a good guess, but no, not even in the 10 most expensive. California comes in at fourteen eighty-seven average price for a 24-pack. It's a 24-pack of Bud Light or Miller Light, by the way. I couldn't tell you what that costs normally because well, I don't drink all right. swill. The most expensive state in the U.S. for a 24-pack of beer, according to Simple, Simple Thrifty Living, is Pennsylvania, Rachel's home state, $21.98 if you want a 24-pack. Really? Pack, followed by Tennessee and Texas for the 10 most expensive. Flip over to the 10 least expensive, 
Michigan, number one, only $14.62 for a 24-pack. That's a pretty good deal. That's a good deal. Followed by California, as I mentioned, fourteen eighty-seven in Illinois at $15. Shout out to all of our friends okay. in Chicago getting a 24-pack. Uh, for a deal there. That's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, switching over to politics, Mike Huckabee back in the news. Oh, and I love this. Opponents of Ma- Mike Huckabee should be pretty happy this morning. This. Back in 2012, Mike Huckabee uh, came out with a film called Last Ounce of Courage. I, I have no idea what the movie was about. Do you, you know the movie? You didn't see it? No, I never saw it. Oh, no, yo, neither did I. All right. I did not uh, go out to the theaters. In fact, he realized that uh, he was going to have some trouble actually bringing ticket sales in, so he decided to set up four million robocalls to publicize the movie. Didn't Brilliant. seem like that big of a deal at the right. time. However, uh, he may have violated the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Uh, the case was originally dismissed back in May of 2014, but a St. Louis District Court ju- judge has certified the suit once again back in January. Last week, individuals were told that they could go ahead and uh, state their case, saying that he may have, in fact, uh, violated that act. Mike Huckabee is one of the dumbest people who has ever ascended to public office. There's no question about that. So the fact that he's in a little bit of hot water pleases me greatly. His son also killed a dog. His son also killed a dog. Uh, His daughter is Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is leading the fight to keep the press in the dark from the uh, Trump administration. Not not a great family. It's an incredibly questionable gene pool as well. Very, very questionable. There's been a lot of work. Hey, finally, uh, from the box office over the weekend, Transformers, The Last Night. I don't know how many of these films they've made. $45.3 million. Lowest for the franchise ever, but still number one. Wonder Woman, number two. Cars, three. Number three. There you go. your radio on tv and online this is the bill press show and away we go on a monday all day long june 26th thank you everybody for tuning in i hope you had a great weekend i sort of went off the grid this weekend no i just like i totally went off the grid i i, I didn't i didn't have why are you laughing i could tell what do you mean You had a weekend. I had a bit of a weekend. Yeah. I sort of... uh, Fell into the weekend. I fell into the weekend. I went went, uh, out to the eastern shore of Maryland. There's not a lot of internet access. Uh, I did a lot of drinking. Yet somehow a picture of you in jorts crossed my Instagram timeline. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Low internet access, but still plenty of room for you in jorts. I'm going to tell you something. I got a lot of grief for the photo of me in jorts. I got a lot of grief. You guys ever wear jorts? Cut off jorts when it's hot out? No, sir. Very comfortable. Very comfortable. I woke up and my girlfriend <clears throat> looks at me and she goes, have you seen that picture of Peter in jorts yet? See? People are talking. America's talking about jorts. You going to break the internet like Kim Kardashian did? Look, go check. Did I tweet it out? Uh, I, I don't get notifications for your tweets. I, I mean, did she see it? Did you see it on <laughs> no, Twitter? she saw it on Instagram. It was on Instagram. Don't follow me on Instagram. I, I I probably won't accept you if I don't know you. But I, I I think I might have tweeted it out. I don't remember. But jorts are so comfortable that you've got because like no, most of the time you wear those short shorts, you don't have pockets. But you got jorts, you got pockets. You got you got a an embarrassment of riches when it comes. I to just that. I don't understand how denim shorts could be more comfortable than 
like you gotta cut them short. You gotta cut them short. You gotta go real <laughs> short, real high on those shorts. But you you would still say that jorts are more comfortable than the shorts that I'm wearing. I I don't know what you're khaki what, shorts. Ca- just... Yes, a hundred percent. How? Well, they, those they breathe the same. Khaki what? shorts and denim are about the same when it comes to breathability. That's not true at all. Oh, it's a hundred percent true. K- k- khaki shorts aren't that thin. Like a khaki short, like a, a durable khaki. Are you wearing short? like MC Hammer denim? No pants that are now jorts. No, they're just regular jeans Super that I have wide. cut off high on the thigh. High <laughs> on the thigh. Here's the problem: you wearing jorts that are too that are perfect. Your jorts are perfect when the pockets sneak out below the the line at the bottom. Uh-huh. That's how short you got to cut them. Okay, you really got to go up there with them. I will not need that advice. I will then you don't have to worry. It doesn't matter. You, it feels like wearing nothing at all. <laughs> George are comfortable. That's all I'm saying. Hey. They're going to come back. Are you gonna, yeah, this is the moment. Today, <laughs> today's hot take of the day. George eh. are making a comeback. George are making a comeback. Don't forget to stick to that take. I'm leading the fight. Uh, thank you uh, so very much for tuning in. Uh, I am on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. The show is on Twitter at BP Show. Jamie is on Twitter at J Benson DC. Uh, make sure uh, you are following all of those accounts. If you Let's open that mail sack this morning. You get the mail sack open. There's so many th- like there's so many little things out there just kind of floating around that I want to kick into here uh, to start the show. Uh, I just had to sort of compartmentalize a little bit. But I'm, I'm going to start, first of all, with Sean Spicer, Jamie, uh, because he made his sort of triumphant return uh, on Friday. He gave a press briefing. And the sort of big question is, are they or aren't they going to continue to have televised press briefings? And Sean Spicer obviously has to answer for that. And he says, essentially, it really doesn't matter. I think it's it's great for us to come out here and have a substantive and discussion about policies. I don't think that the be-all and end-all is whether it's on television or not. Okay. What a numb nuts. Like, the fact that he has to go out there and push for this, it's insane. But here's, here's why this is so screwed up. If you are a member of the media, and if you go to a White House press briefing, film it, photograph it, put it out into the world. Do it. These guys, like, I'm not, I'm not being too critical here because I know that they're trying to be uh, follow some set of decorum. But, like, you know, CNN the other day had their camera on the briefing room, and as soon as Sarah Huckabee Sanders walks out, they move the camera up to the ceiling in a dramatic way to show, like, okay, well, we're being shut off. Now, keep that camera on. Don't turn the camera off. What are they going to do, throw you out? Great. Let them throw you out. This is how it played. Now, again, this isn't breaking with tradition. Uh, it's something that is pretty new to the Trump administration, and Sarah Huckabee is coming out now. There it goes. All right. All right. Unfortunately, uh, you saw Sarah Huckabee Sanders walk up to the lectern there on the podium, uh, but the White House rules are that none of the cable networks, none of the broadcast networks are allowed to carry this briefing. No, keep that camera on. That's what you should do. They sent a sketch artist on Friday. That's stupid. A courtroom sketch artist. Oh, God, that is so stupid here. That is so stupid. Just just film it. And also, by the way, Dylan Byers. Dylan's a friend of mine. (laughs) Dylan Byers tweeted, 
Not defending the White House, but reporters tweeting that the briefing is off camera is technically breaking the not-for-reporting guidance agreement. No, they are not. There was no agreement here. Stop snitching. Yeah, stop being such a snitch, Dylan. There's no agreement. That's the thing. This white, The White House is putting out these, these statements and saying, well, here's the guidance agreement for tomorrow's uh, press availabilities. Nobody agreed to that. The press did not agree to go off camera. The press did not agree to keep cameras out of the briefing room. That is the deal. You let the press in so they could see what you're doing. Why is it important, by the way? So, Jamie, if you get that clip from Sean Spicer where he lies about uh, Medicaid, where he says there's going to be no impact to Medicaid. He's committed to making sure that no one who currently is in the Medicaid program is affected in any way, which is reflected in the Senate bill, and he's pleased with that. Okay, it's important that we have press there because that is a lie. That is a lie. Do you have the Kellyanne Conway clip? Because she went on one of the Sunday shows and she repeated the same lie. We don't see them as cuts. It's slowing the rate of growth in the future and getting Medicaid back to where it was. Obamacare expanded the, the pool of Medicaid recipients beyond its original intention. Well, I have right here in my hot little hands from Time Magazine. The draft of the health care bill, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, released on Thursday, includes steep cuts to Medicaid, aiming to phase out the federal funding implemented under Obamacare for states to expand Medicaid eligibility. The nonpartisan CBO estimated that the House version of the bill would cut Medicaid by $880 billion. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office estimated that the House version of the bill would cut Medicaid spending by $880 billion. Folks, that is a huge chunk of change. But Sean Spicer, you keep on plucking that chicken. Talking about no cuts to Medicaid? I don't think so. Well, we're talking about this health care bill. There, there, there's a lot of news here from over the weekend. First of all is that the Republicans cannot get the votes that they need to make this a reality. Dean Heller, Susan Collins, Bill Cassidy, all coming out over the weekend to imply that the current state of the bill is bad for their state and they cannot go along with it. Donald Trump gave an interview where he talks about, so Barack Obama says he wants to see a bill with heart. Trump accuses him of stealing that line from him. Can we play that clip where Trump talks about a bill with heart? What do you say to the former president? Well, he actually used my that. term, mean. That was my term because I want to see, I want to see, and I speak from the heart. That's what I want to see. I want to see a bill with heart. Okay. First of all, again, the king of the cell phone, he just admitted that he called the health care bill that he had a party for in the Rose Garden a mean bill. He just admitted it. He just said he used a term and it was my term. Folks, mean. Here, play the beginning again. Listen to him. What do you say to the former president? Well, he actually used my that. term, mean. That was my term. See, I, he actually used my term. Mean. So he thinks it's a mean bill and he's out there talking about how it needs to happen. 
He's so proud of the fact that he called it mean and that someone stole his word for it. But he had a huge party for it. And in the final clip, Jamie, he says that he's for the bill. This has nothing to do with votes. This has to do with picking a plan that everybody's going to like. I'd like to say love, but like. Yeah. So, like, he's out there pushing for this bill. If you look at his tweets, he's talking about this bill and how it needs to happen. Quick tangent. Do you think anybody has ever told Donald Trump that they love him? Ooh. I'm sure his kids probably. His father definitely never no, told No, his father him. never did. Fred Trump was a grade A yeah. you-know-what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And frankly, with a son like Donald Trump, I mean. Sure. I wouldn't be real proud of him either. Oh, I guess I guess the um, the vampires have said it to him. I'm sure that they have. I'm sure that Sean Spicer says it every day when he wakes up and sees him. Sean Spicer probably kisses his shoes. He has to. I love you, Mr. Trump. Don't you know it? Um, yeah. So he he's he, this is Donald Trump. I'm very supportive of the Senate health care bill. Look forward to making it really special. Remember, Obamacare is dead. I'm just reading some of his tweets from over the weekend. I I wish one interviewer would ask Donald Trump, Donald Trump, can you explain what Medicaid is? And just imagine what that would look like. Like you'd have to call on a hazmat team. It would be so bad. No. No. (laughs) Nope. Next question. Next question. Couldn't do it. So anyway, the health, this healthcare bill, by the way, it's supposed to be voted on this week, which is again, Bitch McConnell, in his race to get something done, is overshooting the fact that he does not have the votes, not even a simple majority. Dean Heller, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Bill Cassidy, Rob Portman. I mean, you've got to get some of those uh, senators, and he doesn't have them. Technically... Also Ted Cruz, also Ted Cruz Mike Lee, and Rand, Rand Paul, Paul, all three likely to come around. Yeah. Yeah. Rand Paul will maybe still vote no, but if it comes down to he him being the only person to block it, even he knows he's got to vote for it. Uh, but, like, Ted Cruz and Mike Lee. Ted Cruz is going to vote for it. Mike Lee is going to do whatever his boyfriend Ted Cruz does. So... You could just count those. Ted Cruz got to get ready for 2020. I know. You know he's going to – he's definitely going to be back. He'll be back. He will be back. Don't don't worry about that. So, I mean, this is just a colossal screw-up for uh, the Republicans. And the, the, the bad news is, of course, uh, Democrats still aren't totally sure what to do with all of this. I maintain that we are now at the point. We are at a point in time – where the Democrats have got to stop watching the Republicans burn the House down and come up with some better legislation. It's time. It's time. Republicans have shown America that they don't know how to lead. Republicans have shown America that they have no idea how to get health care done. Donald Trump has shown America he doesn't even know what the hell health care is. Certainly not, doesn't even know how he's going to get it done. But now it's time for Democrats to step up. Chuck Schumer over the months or over the weekend said that a quote new democratic agenda will resonate with the middle class end quote. So there is going to see some movement from Democrats to form an actual platform that will go after some of the people who voted for Donald Trump. 
Do I trust Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to go out and get those votes? Well, no, that's a different story. Someone posted a picture on Twitter. I forget who this was over the weekend. They had received a uh, Democratic National Party survey, in the uh, room, which I guess this is something they send out, it looked official. Sure. Uh, you know, line by line items. And that person had simply written on that survey, that one page survey in <laughs> blood red marker, <laughs> single payer, you idiots. That's it. That's it. If the Democrats came out right now and pushed a fix for Obamacare and made it single payer, Hello. Walk right back into the house. I I, I know you guys are going to get mad at me because I know you get mad at Bill when he does it. But the one person who was out there saying what needed to be said about the position that the Democrats are in over the weekend was Bernie Sanders out over the weekend. It's a move on rallies, first of all, where he talked about Democrats not being part of the process. We will not be part of a process which takes from working families takes from the sick, takes from the children, takes from the elderly, takes from the poor in order to give huge tax breaks to people who don't need it. So you could forget any idea of Democrats going to the table to work with Republicans on repealing Obamacare. However, in Columbus, Ohio, Bernie Sanders said again what needed to be said. There's no great secret that the Affordable Care Act is far from perfect. Our job now is to improve it, not destroy it. That's it. That's it. Come to the table with some ideas. Let's fix it. Guys, it's not rocket science here. I mean, Bernie is on to something. And I know you guys hate Bernie Sanders. A lot of you guys hate Bernie Sanders, and that's fine. But he's right on this. It's time for Democrats to say, Obamacare has some problems. It is not perfect. We're not going to die on this hill of trying to defend how great Obamacare is as we watch the Republicans try and dismantle it. You want to fix Obamacare? Here's what you do. Single payer. Put it on the table. Let's get it done. Will the Trump administration come to the table to work on that? No. Well, I got to be honest with you. I don't know. If a single payer bill is popular and Democrats push it and it gets to Donald Trump and he sees that he can make this happen. Would Donald Trump sign a single payer healthcare bill if the Democrats give it to him? Honestly, maybe I'm not going to stand here and tell you that's definitely going to happen, but maybe. So what do you have to lose? Worst case scenario is Donald Trump shoots down your great idea and then you can run against it. In 2018. That's worst case scenario. Imagine what best case scenario. I mean, best case scenario is you get the president to sign your legislation, which then may not help you, but it would be good for the country. (laughs) Politically speaking, Donald Trump would take that win on your back, but that's okay. The Joe Manchin bill. There it is. I just think it's time for Democrats to sort of stop watching this all implode. I know that it's it's great and it's nice to watch and certainly don't stop doing that. But in the meantime, you could be doing some other things. Come up with a bill. Come up with a bill. Let's see where it goes. I don't know if I trust Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi to do it, but that's that's that. The other story that I really want to hit on 
excuse me while I reach over and grab my paper here. Where's your cocktail? Yeah, I got a pure rum. Uh, so on the Russian hacking, because I know everybody's hanging on, you know, for the Russia hacking to be the thing that takes Donald Trump down. I, I have some bad news. I don't think that's going to be the thing that takes down the Donald Trump, but we should absolutely continue to look at it. But this is not a good uh, story because it shows where Barack Obama really did sort of drop the ball because Barack Obama was informed uh, about the Russian meddling early in the 2016 election. And Barack Obama, according to the Washington Post, uh, and his aides wrestled with what to do about the Russia hacking information. They didn't know what to do with the story. They didn't act on it. They didn't publicly disclose evidence that Russian officials tried to interfere with the election. They kept quiet. And it's a complicated issue, right? Because Donald Trump had already made his allegations that the election was going to be tampered with. And we were already in the midst of this whole thing. Remember, Donald Trump said that he might not even accept the electoral uh, uh, outcome. Depending on what happened, he was going to wait and see because he knew that there was going to be meddling. And so the Obama administration knew that Russia was actively meddling in the election and then didn't say anything. Why wouldn't you say anything? Well, Jen Palmieri, Hillary Clinton's former communications director, who also worked in the Obama White House, said, quote, I think they did it in the best interest of the country, end quote. So I think that the argument there is that Barack Obama and the Obama administration saw this happening, but they were too afraid to say something because Donald Trump could use that as ammunition to insinuate that they were trying to steal the election or hack the election. And the Barack Obama administration was so confident that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election that they just sat on it and didn't do anything. And you know what? Shame on them. It's going to be it's going to be a very, very, very rare occurrence here to hear me say this, but Donald Trump is right. That hurts. This is like that it, hurt. This is like is if in the Deflate Gate game, the Indianapolis Colts was going to pull off a stunning victory, but there was still something going on. There you go. Sure. I don't think that was right, but that's just an idea. Sure. Donald Trump said in an interview with where else Fox News uh, I want to do the first two clips there Jamie because he says Obama knew about the Russia hacking I just heard today for the first time that Obama knew about Russia a long time before the election and he did nothing about it okay but nobody for, wants to talk about that. first of all that that clip is wrong because he says we just learned for the first time today no we didn't dummy we knew that he knew this it was just a matter of what he put out there the Washington Post story is about how much they wrestled with what they were going to do and I don't think that their response and their action on the whole thing was very good but Trump goes on uh, to just say he didn't do anything the CIA gave him information on Russia a long time before they even, you know, before the election. And I hardly see it. 
it's an amazing thing to me. You know, in other words, the question is, if he had the information, why didn't he do something about it? He should have done something about it. He should have done something about it. He 100% should have done something about it. Donald Trump was on Twitter uh, saying, since the Obama administration was told way before the 2016 election that the Russians were meddling, why no action? Focus on them, not T. <laughs> Capital T. Who's T? <laughs> I assume it's Trump. Oh, really? I assume. Third person abbreviations? I think that, I mean, right? Wow. Isn't that who it is? I guess so, yeah. It's, that's a new one for him. Obama administration officials said they, quote, choked when it came to acting on Russian meddling of election. They didn't want to hurt Hillary. I mean, yeah. That's kind of what it sounds like. Jim Ellen on Twitter, where we are tweeting at BP show, puts it very plainly, puts it very directly. Let's not be naive. Obama didn't air the tampering evidence because they believed the election was in the bag. That is what it's all about. They thought that Hillary was going to walk into the White House, that it was going to be a cakewalk. They thought it was going to be a dominating performance. Remember when they thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win in Texas? Remember when the conventional wisdom was that Hillary Clinton had a shot in Utah? (laughs) And those were the days, my friends. We thought they'd never end. (laughs) (laughs) On the healthcare situation, uh, Potster podcast weighs in, says Democrats should support a universal system, fix the healthcare problem once and for all, better for families, doctors, and employers alike. Amen. Nancy says, talk about lies. Not only Democrats, but Obama himself has and has said from the beginning that the ACA was not perfect and needed help. True. That is true. Shout out to the Potster podcast, by the way. Shout out. Number one, you make a podcast. Yeah. Probably pretty cool. Love that. Number two, I like that name, Potster. Potster podcast. Folks, I got to tell you. Uh, So anyway, look, all I'm saying is Barack Obama should have absolutely said something about that meddling. They should have said something about the hacking. And now we see just what kind of power Donald Trump yields. Wields. And I and and it's it's tough, right? Cuz he did sort of paint them into a corner where if he had come out and said something about the Russian hacking, Donald Trump could have easily made the allegation that he was trying to swing the election in Hillary Clinton's favor. But the truth is the truth is the truth, and the facts are the facts are the facts, and you got to put out what you know. And the fact that we didn't learn anything about that until later could very well have meant the difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump being in the White House. We've got lots to talk about with the health care bill. That is with Sam Baker. He is with Axios. He joins us in studio here in just a moment. Stay tuned. It is the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn. I'm sitting in for Bill Press today. We're going to take a very, very quick break, and we'll be right back. What do you say to the former president? Well, they actually used my that. term, mean. That was my term. Download our podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is the Bill Press Show.
same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show, 34 minutes past the hour here on a Monday, June 26th. Just a reminder, folks, that we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash BP Show. We're putting up exclusive content every single day when Bill's around. We put up his parting shot, which is his unfiltered commentary that you can see the video of every single day. And we're also doing cool interviews. Uh, we still have our Greta interview up there. We have our interview with Barry Lynn to talk about uh, religion and politics. Uh, go check it out. Go check it out. All we're asking you is for $5 a month. That's easy. Come on, $5 a month. And uh, you get access to all kinds of cool stuff. And we're still working on the making of Bernie Sanders, our exclusive podcast. Uh, I finished edits on a couple of the interviews. I have to say, there's some things in there that I don't remember hearing in the whole like fallout after the election and what happened to Bernie. We talked to Tad Devine and Michael Briggs and a couple other people from the Bernie Sanders universe uh, about how the run for president came to be for Bernie and a little bit about his background, which we all remember if you listen to the show or watch the show. The very first meeting of Bernie Sanders running for president happened at Bill Press's house. You remember how cool it was when uh, Ben and Jerry came in during yeah. the primaries, brought yeah. in the uh, the Bernie ice cream? Yeah, that's right. That's what was right. it called again? Was the Bernie's Yearning. Bernie's Yearning. You see, Delicious. it's a mint ice cream, and they have a large disc of chocolate on top, and you smack it with your spoon, and you break it all up, and you distribute it down throughout <laughs> the ice cream. Say so It's very on brand. Let's talk healthcare with our buddy Sam Baker. He is deputy healthcare editor at Axios. Congratulations on the move to Axios, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Baker. Uh, all things healthcare with him. Uh, Sam, what is the current state of the Senate healthcare bill that they were given by the House that they were going to improve and make so much better? Where are we now? Uh, we are what well, we've seen their work product. Mm -hmm. It's pretty similar to the House bill. Yeah, not identical, but similar. Um, What's let's start for What's different yeah. in this uh, Senate bill? Um, the Medicaid cuts are deeper, but delayed more. Okay. <laughs> so the thing that I think people are starting to realize about both the House and Senate bills is that these are Medicaid bills with some Obamacare stuff tacked on. Okay. Not Obamacare bills with some Medicaid. Okay. So pay attention to Medicaid here. Um, yeah, so the Senate bill uh, keeps Obamacare's Medicaid expansion a little bit longer and phases in some of the broader cuts that they want to make to the underlying Medicaid program uh, more gradually, which sort of makes it seem more generous. But then as you get a little bit further out, uh, they change. It's a very technical change, but they change the rate of growth, the way the rate of growth is calculated. Mm -hmm. uh, for federal Medicaid payments, which amounts to uh, a steeper cut down the line. Okay. So in terms of whether or not they're going to get the votes in the Senate to make this happen, they just have to hit the 50. Right. They don't have to get a huge majority. They just have to get a simple majority. got to get to 50. They're not there right now. They're not. Um, and I think they've been reasonably open about that. Mm -hmm. um, the problem that they have, similar to the problem they had in the House, uh, was that everybody who's not there yet wants something different. You saw Dean Heller from Nevada come out on Friday and say he's got a problem. He's got a lot of problems. I think I think he might be one of those two firm no's. Yeah. Yeah, it's seeming that way. Yeah. But if he is, so 
There's 52 Republican senators. They need 50 yes votes so that the vice president come in and break the tie. It sounds like Dean Heller's a no. Yeah. We're all assuming Rand Paul's a no. Yeah. That means they can't lose anybody else. Right. So McConnell's got a lot on his plate this week to try to keep Ted Cruz on board and also Susan Collins on board. I have a feeling that Ted Cruz is going to come on board, which means Mike Lee will also come on board. Yeah. So you're really looking at Susan Collins, Dean Heller, uh, Bill Cassidy, Lisa Murkowski. Is she counter? Is she? I wouldn't sleep on Lisa Murkowski. I think she's been sort of the angriest about the process. Yeah. Alaska has, uh, I mean, Alaska politics are always sort of unique. Oh, sure. But also, healthcare is crazy expensive in Alaska because it's so rural, because it's so far from everything else. So they have some real on the merits substantive uh, issues, especially with the way that the uh, exchanges subsidies are calculated, the Obamacare subsidies Mm -hmm. are calculated. Mm -hmm. Um, In Obamacare, they are tied to the cost of insurance. And that's that's something that you would genuinely think is really important in Alaska. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then, and then, Rob Portman. I don't know if I mentioned Rob Portman. He's another one. Rob Portman has expressed some concerns about Medicaid. Medicaid. Uh, I nobody. I don't think will be the third no vote. I think okay. if this fails, it'll fail with five or six people voting against it. I see. But I don't. Rob Portman's probably okay. I think for, so. Right. For McConnell. I, mean, I think he's got I, some I issues, so, right? but they can be addressed. I know? get that feeling. So Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Dean Heller, Bill Cassidy. I think Cassidy's in too. You think Cassidy's in too? Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, that's 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 Shelley Moore Capito. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah another yeah, yeah, Medicaid. Yeah. Uh, that's the other issue. Yep. So you've got all these people who are on the fence or leaning no for different reasons. Right. So they're not going to address all of those. There's they can't. just no way they can't. Yeah. They, they, like they are completely in uh, in opposition to what they they want. Right. right. So like Donald Trump says, I want to. A bill with heart. I, I don't want a mean money. bill. Uh, yeah, that means yeah, money, right? Right. Yeah. So this is how he fixes it. Yeah. I mean, the underlying calculation. I think that you are right that Ted Cruz wants to vote yes. Oh yeah. And that Mike Lee will probably go he'll do whatever he'll Ted, do Cruz, what Ted does, Cruz does politically uh, and in a lifestyle. <laughs> like he's just that is his idol. Um. So I think McConnell just sort of has to give them something so they can say they got something. Yeah. But you could see a scenario in which he has to give the more moderate senators so much that Ted Cruz says, wait a second. (laughs) I mean, he wants to say yes, but, you know, if you make Medicaid more generous, make the subsidies more generous, add some more money for, you know. Then he can't. Ted Cruz is is a hope to get to yes right now, but it depends what you give on the other side. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't see how this happens. I mean, I know this is sort of a cliche that everyone's been saying for the past week, but if anybody can do it, it's McConnell. He's very good. He's very good at managing his caucus. Yeah. He rarely loses. He's technically and strategically very skilled. What did Bill say last week? Uh, Even though we hate Mitch McConnell, we wish that we had a leader uh, uh, in the Democratic Party. I wish we had Mitch Mitch McConnell. McConnell. Absolutely. He knows what he's doing. I want to float something past you that okay. uh, John Yarmouth from Kentucky mentioned last week when we had him in. And he knows Mitch McConnell very, very well. And he sort of said, Mitch McConnell cares really about one thing, and that is protecting his majority. And 
if you really look at this critically and you look at what's at stake and how this could play out, Mitch McConnell might actually want this bill to fail. I think that's probably taking it a little bit too far. I kind of get that impression. Like, I'm not sure. But I don't think he time, wants it to fail. But if it fails, I don't think he will. He'll move on pretty quick. Yeah. This okay. is not going to be the end of Mitch McConnell. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Because, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think Mitch McConnell wants to lose. But I think that, I mean, they've made this promise they're going to repeal Obamacare. So then what? Yeah. What he wants most of all is to get this off his plate. Yeah. And I th- I think he would prefer to get it off his plate by passing it, send it back to the House and say, take it or leave it. If he loses this, though, it's is it off of his plate? It's off of his plate, but it's on the Trump administration's plate in a mm. serious way because there are real problems in yeah. these exchanges. And they're going to have to, you know, they've been putting out actual attack ads, HHS has, mm. against the law that it's their job to implement. And, you, you know, it's hard to see that being sustainable. Yeah, this fails. I want to get into some of the stuff farther down the line really quickly, but your piece uh, at Axios.com, A-X-I-O-S.com, is all about the winners and the losers of the Senate health care bill. Let's start, first of all, because I am such a pessimist, with the losers. Who loses in this Republican Senate health care bill? Poor people. Okay. Older people. All right. Um, I love poor people. I love older people. I love the poorly uneducated. (laughs) You and the president. Yeah, we have a lot of things in common. Um, Yeah, I mean, Medicaid serves a lot of people. Medicaid serves a lot of children. It provides a lot of disability benefits. Um, In some of these uh, restructurings and some of the cuts in the bill, some of those populations probably be protected. Mm. But if you're just poor and on Medicaid, which is also a population Medicaid serves, uh, those benefits are probably going to shrink. And there is uh, an explicit adjustment based on age that favors young people. Uh, now we're in the individual market, not in Medicaid, but people who buy insurance on their own don't get it through their jobs. Mm. Uh, there's a, it adjusts the, the level of financial assistance the government will provide to benefit younger people and shift benefits away from older people. Mm. Um, the winners? Um, the wealthy. Okay. There are some pretty significant tax cuts in here. Um, God. I mean, this yep. is just very on. I mean, it's very on the nose for the Republicans to do. I this. just don't want a poor person. Does that make sense? <laughs> Thank you. Does that make sense? Thank you, Mr. President. Okay, so the wealthy are going to do just fine with this bill. Great. I was worried about them. So. Uh, young people, for the same reason we just sure. Okay, bigger right. subsidy. Uh, basically, people who don't have to use the healthcare system that much. Some of the changes here would. Uh, Ideally, none people. of us have to. Right, right. But it's in a perfect world, we don't have to use the healthcare system that much. You'd probably see uh, higher out-of-pocket costs, which is something that Republicans have wanted for a long time. Mm. Higher deductibles and co-pays and all that sort of stuff, um, which you know is fine if your premium is lower and you have to pay more when you actually go to the doctor. Yeah, sure. Of course, as long as you don't go to the doctor. Right. It doesn't sound like a popular selling point, though. It's. I, I don't know anybody who wants to pay more for the, but I know what you mean. It's, yeah. it's, it's a balance thing. I, I think that where we are right now, it's very interesting that on this healthcare thing, Republicans have sort of taken this as far as I think they're going to take it. They've made all the, all the arguments they're going to make. I really want Democrats to step in and say Republicans haven't figured out how to lead. They don't know what they're doing with this Obamacare thing that they've been sitting on forever. I mean, I know that that's an old, tired talking point, but 
we, we should not forget that they've had all this time to figure it out. I mean, we're talking about eight years pretty much. Uh, and they still don't have a plan. And so I think it's time for Democrats to come in and just say, like, here's our plan. It looks a lot like single payer. Uh, they're They're getting there. Are they getting there? It seems like it. I feel like uh, support for single payer in polls is going up. Um, I mean, your man Bernie, yeah, caught fire. Look, I single th- payer did not was not a political liability for him. Um, yeah, you've seen. Uh, didn't Kamala Harris endorse some? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some kind of it, some Medicare for all or single payer, or something yeah. like that. So I, I think we're getting there. And I think it's I think it's interesting that over the weekend Bernie went out on these big rallies, that big move on rally, and it's just like we need to fix Obamacare, which is not news to anybody if you've been paying attention, and we fix it with single payer, and people lost their minds. They think it's great. I mean, so what's the holdup? What where where do the Democrats come in and help with this? Healthcare process, I guess. Well, I know there's a lot of pressure for them to sort of do more to kill this bill. Yeah. They can't. Right. They don't have enough votes to kill it. All you can sort of do is apply pressure to those senators. That Reality bites, man. It's... Yeah, I mean, win elections. It's yeah. Like, that's there. That's the answer. That's how you do it. Um, for all the carping that we hear from the Trump administration, but the Democrats aren't involved in this process at all, which why would they be? Um, if they were to offer a single-payer bill or something that looked a lot like single-payer, something that looked like a real fix to Obamacare, would Donald Trump work with Democrats to get it done? Uh, I mean, I think if this single-payer, no. Okay. Uh, because, by the way, the way he describes health care sounds an awful lot like single-payer. The way he described it in the campaign, yeah. yes, but... Tom Price is HHS secretary. Mick Mulvaney is OMB director. Like, there's a lot of steps you gotta. Fair enough. A lot of people around Trump. Fair enough. But if this fails, I think you will see. It may not pass. You know, you may not see Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell come to an agreement on yeah. fixing Obamacare. But there are real problems that need real solutions. So you could see some sort of, you know, the Portmans and Joe Mansions of the world trying to come up with something that would. Loosen up a couple of regulations and provide some more money, and yeah. that's probably about what it would take yeah. to solve the the shorter term problems. I uh, I want to read a, a tweet from Vice President Mike Pence because I thought this was really interesting and really telling, and I think that this is where we're going to have to, as Democrats, I think we're going to have to find like our voice, right? Uh, Mike Pence tweeted out, before summer's out, we'll repeal, replace Obamacare with a system based on personal responsibility, free market competition, and state-based reform. It's the personal responsibility thing on there that really, I think, uh, stuck out to me because I think that you see this governing principle from guys like Mike Pence and Paul Ryan that if you make a mistake, you should be punished for it, right? Like if you were to have you know, make a bad decision and have unprotected sex and you get pregnant, you, God damn it, you cannot have an abortion. You've got to be punished. You've got to carry that baby. Or if you are a smoker and you get cancer, right? Like, yeah, you should get punished for that. You should absolutely be punished for it. You shouldn't get the help that you need. It should be really, really hard for you to get the help that you need. And I think that is the sort of language the Democrats are going to have to find to combat the, the Trump health care approach. And I'm not sure if they're there yet or not. And I don't know if I trust... Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to get us there, frankly. So who leads the fight for the Democrats then? On health care? Yeah. Um, I mean, who leads the fight for the Democrats on anything? <laughs> I, 
Touche. Probably, I probably the usual suspects, just the emerging party leaders. I would guess. Yeah. Um, you know. We will not be part of a process which takes from working families. Yeah. Two clips I want to play really quickly. Uh, Sean Spicer and Kellyanne Conway, both of them said that there will be no impact to Medicaid. Uh, Sean Spicer, first of all, said this on Friday at Friday's press briefing. He's committed to making sure that no one who currently is in the Medicaid program is affected in any way, which is reflected in the Senate bill, and he's pleased with that. Okay, all right. That's not, well, I'll let you tell us, but Kellyanne Conway says the same thing, essentially. We don't see them as cuts. It's slowing the rate of growth in the future and getting Medicaid back to where it was. Obamacare expanded the, the pool of Medicaid recipients beyond its original intention. Where are we with Medicaid? Will there be any cuts to Medicaid? It yes. sounds like there will be no cuts to Medicaid. There will be hundreds of billions of dollars of cuts. Hundreds of yes. billions of dollars? Yes. Okay. So um, what might they be thinking about when they say that there are no cuts to Medicaid? One thing on that Spicer quote, when he mm-hmm. talks about people who are currently on the program, mm-hmm. one thing it's important to understand about Medicaid is people cycle on and off okay. very frequently. Because okay. it cuts off at you know a certain percentage of income. It's low. It's in Medicaid expansion states, one hundred and thirty-eight percent of the federal poverty line. But you can see, you know, if you're working two jobs, if you're working an hourly job, how your income could fluctuate between one hundred and thirty-eight and one hundred and forty percent. You know, okay, yeah. so you're on Medicaid, then you're over here, then you're back on Medicaid. So when you talk about, oh, we're going to phase in the expansion, somebody might cycle off now but then wouldn't be able to cycle back on. That, I mean, that's the same person, right? You yeah. cannot sure, okay. re-sign up for that program. That that sort of churn, I think, is an underappreciated part of Medicaid. It's also kind of hard to, I mean, I, I don't mean to yeah, sound like it's a not, dummy, it's but not like... It's a great talking point. It's, it's just hard a, to explain yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are also just really straightforward cuts in Medicaid. I mean, Obamacare expanded it to more people. Mm. They repealed that expansion. So... That might be Man. simpler for you. That simplifies it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do think so. Yeah. More uh, people could get it, and now those people can't get it. If we could talk for a moment about process, because the, sure. it, it has been sort of a a weird couple of weeks with with the Senate health care bill. Um, the way that we got to where we are now, right? There hasn't nobody really got eyes on it. It was very secretive. Then they dropped it on Thursday. We're supposed to get a CBO score. This week, I this think, week, today. and they want to vote by the end of the week. Yep, that feels rushed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It it has been. It, it has, has been very yeah. rushed. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. No, I mean, I was around for Obamacare in two thousand nine, and that took a year. That's the thing. Like for all the grief that people gave for all the secretive stuff with Obamacare, you know, and like there there was some stuff that. Probably should have been done differently. You know, the Nancy Pelosi got to pass the bill before you can read the bill. Uh, not a great look. <laughs> but, like, there is a process here, and it doesn't seem like that process was followed at all this time around. No, this was, I mean, uh, this sort of goes back to our point about Mitch McConnell being strategically smart. Healthcare is hard. Everything you do has some other trade off. I know policy is like that generally in a lot of areas, but. You know, you want uh, lower premiums, you get a higher deductible. You know, there's every time you do something people like, there's something people don't like that sort of comes with it. 
And the more you have public hearings and hear from experts and let CBO kind of go back and forth on multiple versions of the same bill, the more those kinds of trade-offs are going to become public. And mm-hmm. as you know, Republicans wrote a playbook in 2009 and 10 for sort of exploiting those unpopular parts of a bill. And yeah. there will be, there are unpopular trade-offs in this bill, like hundreds of billion dollars in Medicaid. <laughs> Medicaid. Yeah. 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 So why the, why the rush? Like why, why is there such a rush to get it done this week? Uh, I mean, the, I think you saw John Cornyn on some of the Sunday shows saying, well, maybe it won't be this week. Maybe. Yeah. August there were a couple, there were a couple people out there but, sort of pushing that. Uh, there's a recess next week. Congress is gone next week. Senators will be back in their States. Uh, he just, he wants this done. Yeah. Here's the bill, whatever it repeals Obamacare vote. And what? So I think this is, <laughs> whatever. I mean, it's it a self-imposed Obamacare. deadline. There's no reason well, that thing. it has to be. I- I guess what I'm saying is that I, I'm getting a little bit of deja vu to the House vote where they thought they were going to have it happen and then it got pushed off twice at least. Yeah. Because they didn't yeah, have the when votes. they first pulled it, yeah. So yeah. if they don't have the votes in the Senate, are they just going to power through and do this? I They will have a vote one way or another. I, I believe that firmly. You okay. know, the thing that Ryan did at first where he didn't have the vote so he pulled it from the floor, I think McConnell will vote and let it fail. So that he can say, we I tried, it. I'm done. We tried, yeah. Yep. And that'll be that. Yep. Man. I mean, this is going to be really, like, the next week or so is going to be crucial, I think, for 2018. Because everybody that's casting votes, everybody that's talking about it, like, the, the tape will be saved. Sam, I have a question for you. Okay. So you've switched beats recently, right? You yes. were covering the Supreme Court over at National Journal. Uh, you surely still still follow it right to a certain oh, man, extent I'm glad you're asking that. uh some rumors over the weekend of justice kennedy perhaps yeah. stepping down this year where do you land uh i don't know but i would bet against him retiring and why is that because uh a couple of reasons one he's already hired a full slate of clerks for the next term mm. which he did after some of these rumors started circulating two He's arguably like he can't start a war, but other than that, he's the most powerful person in the country right now. Wow. He's the deciding vote. Yeah. Like when there's a 5 4 Supreme Court with con- five conservatives, he's the deciding vote on everything. Yeah. Everything happens the way he wants it to happen. There's a lot of power to give up right now. And also, you know, Kennedy's opinions are dignity, 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 personal dignity, just through and through on every issue. And so even though I think he probably is true that he really likes Neil Gorsuch and might have received the signal, we'll replace you with somebody you like. Just gut instinct, not knowing him or anything really, but you know, I would bet that he's not crazy about being replaced by Trump. I I, I, I think that is probably a, 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 as astute of an observation as you're going to get. I, and I Thank think, you. And I think, but no, 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 no. I mean, I think that these Supreme Court justices are uh, so many of them are so serious and thoughtful. I mean, say what you will about any of them, right? Even Scalia, uh, Scalia when he was around, fairly thoughtful guy, right? Like he had his yeah, opinions very. that not everybody agreed with, but he thought them through. I don't know that any of these guys want to leave their job in the hands of someone like Donald Trump. 
I, I mean, just, it it could happen. These rumors aren't coming from totally out of the ether. Sure. But, um, I'm sure he's tired and wants to retire soon, but like, I think he'll probably wait and see what happens in the next election. He might. I think that would that would probably make sense. Uh, it's going to be a crazy week, and I'm glad that we're able to cover it with you and that you could come in and talk to us about it. Uh, make sure you're following Sam on Twitter at Sam underscore Baker and read his good work at Axios, Axios.com. We'd even talk about how Kentucky did in the NBA draft, Sam. You're Very well. Kentucky guy. Yes. <laughs> Three lottery picks. It's not bad, huh? All right, folks, stay tuned. We're going to take a very, very quick break. We'll be joined by our buddy Joel Payne. He's in for the whole next hour. We have lots of stuff to talk about. So please stay tuned. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show, the second hour of the program here on a Monday, June 26th. I hope you all had a great, great weekend. I know I did. I am ready, rested, all of that, something like that. I took the weekend to go off the grid. Wait, 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 shaking your head at me. Like You're that. rested? I, I am rested, as a matter <laughs> of fact. I'm, I'm, I'm very rested. All right. I took the weekend. I, uh, I I didn't really check Twitter much. I wasn't really checking email much. I was just sort of uh, totally off the grid, which is nice. I really I really cannot tell you how nice that is to do. Sometimes you should do that. Um, but you know, I came back to a hellstorm of news that I had to catch up on on my way back. But that's okay. That's all right. I have smart people here. To help me out with it, uh, we just talked to Sam Baker from Axios, and now I'm thrilled to be joined by the Vice President at Corvus and former Director of African American Paid Media and Advertising at the Hillary Clinton <clears throat> for America campaign. Joel Payne is in the studio. How you doing, Joel? Hey, what's going on, man? Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for coming in here on a Monday. Did you have a good weekend? Doing okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I told you I was uh, I was out down to Jersey Shore. Oh, I'm a go. Jersey guy, you know. So Jim Tan Laundry, that's you. Trying, yeah, you know. Look <laughs> at me, man. DTL, baby. Like, that's right. That's right. And I'm trying not to break all of your equipment here in the studio. So <laughs> sorry. It, it. Well, Joel, we have lots and lots and lots of stuff to talk about. We're going to get into that, but first, this is the full court press. <laughs> what? Just a couple of other stories for you on this Monday morning. This, this first story is for you, Peter. Oh, perfect. Some great news out of the sports world. Uh, Tim Tebow has been promoted <laughs> in no! minor league baseball. Tim Tebow, who had been uh, playing with Class A Columbia, uh, right down there in South Carolina, Peter's sure. home state, 
uh, will be now heading to Florida. He's been promoted to the New York Mets high Class A affiliate. Oh, no. Which I believe comes before Double A, and then you have Triple A, and then you have the majors. I believe that's how it works. Sip, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, he has been promoted, uh, not a great season so far, but uh, certainly a storybook start. Uh, his first game, he had a home run in his first at-bat, so he made quite the impression. However, uh, he's been pretty inconsistent. Uh, Tim Tebow says, quote, that's baseball. Okay. Well, he's, he's a, I'm a Mets fan, so he'll fit in fine. With the Mets fan. <laughs> it's a bad year for the Mets, Joel, isn't it? Too. I just want to say, because I, I wasn't sure how he had been doing, I went and looked up his stats. Here we go. He is hitting. 222, three home runs, 23 RBIs, and he struck out 69. Very nice times. Nice. He's a good run production. I mean, he's also 29 years old. Is which, he which adds another dynamic to it. I mean, I he was older, retired I from football. I guess technically still sports casting to an extent, but I'm not a Tim Tebow. Guy. I, I know you're not. not uh, we'll stay on the sports desk, but switch to another sport. Yesterday, John McEnroe, tennis legend, giving an interview on NPR, asked about Serena Williams. Uh, NPR host Lulu Garcia Navarro asking um, John McEnroe about Serena Williams and whether or not she's the best player in the world, period. Forget the female. Uh, John McEnroe says, uh, well, if she was in, if she played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think Serena is an incredible player. I do, but the reality of what would happen would be, I think, something that I'd perhaps be a little higher, perhaps be a little lower. On a given day, Serena could beat some players, but McEnroe ultimately concluding that because she's a woman, we cannot call her the best athlete in the world, which she is. Okay, I am a casual observer of tennis. I think that's a safe way to put it. I, same, yeah. I can't think of one male tennis player who could beat Serena Williams. Nadal or Djokovic? Maybe. Maybe. They'd have to play the game of their lives. I'll tell you one thing. John McEnroe, not going to beat Serena Williams. (laughs) No, no way. Tennis isn't one of those sports where your male dominance is going to really, like, like, you know, you you could lose to a woman in tennis. Yeah. It's not that crazy. All right. Stay tuned. We got a lot to talk about with Joel Payne. Stick around. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn. Sitting in for Bill Press today here on a Monday June 26th, joined by Joel Payne, our buddy. Good to see you, Joel. Good to see you, man. Thanks for coming in for the hour. I uh, I have to read this tweet. I, this I just saw. Marco Rubio tweeted this morning. <laughs> I saw that. Do you see this? Yeah. Proverbs. The Bible verse? Yeah. Uh, as dogs, this is a quote from Marco Rubio's Twitter feed. As dogs return to their vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Proverbs 26, 11. Look, you're talking to a veteran of about a dozen uh, church Christmas plays. Okay, I've, we've never we've never used that. I, I grew I up know. in a Southern Baptist church. I know a lot about the Bible. That's right. I, I don't remember that verse. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's Monday. That's so. not one of the Hall of Fame verses that no. you're sort of given as a as yeah. No, that does not, not seem like a preloaded staff tweet. As dogs return <laughs> to their vomit. 
I guess so. Maybe he's running for again. Maybe that's his way of announcing he's running. <laughs> Exploratory committee. Yeah. Right. Uh, all did right. You, did you see the other bit this morning? No. From Fox and Friends. No. Ivanka Trump asked about her father's tweets. No. Quote: I try to stay out of politics. <laughs> Ivanka Trump, who has an office in the White House. Can you believe the news that we see every yeah, day? Yeah, I can. Can you? I can. I find it unbelievable, Joel. That's why I spent last summer uh, sweating in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Oh, I'm sorry. She's unpaid. All right? She's a special assistant to the president, but she's unpaid. She has so an she's office in the White House. Out of politics. Yeah, out of no, politics. Right. Joel, I want to start out asking you a question that you might have uh, some experience with. It, it, it has to do with the Obama administration knowing about the Russian hacking and yeah. their... Um, lack of doing something about it. Now, I know that if you haven't read this story, the the Washington Post reports that Barack Obama knew that Russia was trying to tamper with the election 2016 fairly early on, and he and his aides sort of wrestled about what to do with it. I understand where they were coming from because Trump had already laid that trap of saying that the uh, election was rigged and that he might not accept the outcome of the election. So I know that it was sensitive. But do you think that Barack Obama and his administration made a mistake by not speaking out about this? It, it's hard to go back revisionist history. So the, the couple things you got to think about here. One, um, it does appear that the Obama administration was responsive on the spot to actually go and, and stop what was going on. It looks like they worked with state governments to the extent that they could. It looks like they... Um, let Putin know, they let Putin's um, emissaries know that we knew about this. So they were responsive on that front. What they were not responsive was, was letting the public know what was going on and was letting the public know that they were trying to intervene on Trump's behalf. That's that's what it seems like where, where, the, where the issue was. Um, going back, you got to remember, a lot of people thought Hillary Clinton was going to be president. And, and I'm sure... Many of those people were also in the White House. And so I believe that the president, then President Obama and his administration, probably thought, hey, Hillary Clinton's going to win anyway. Let's leave well enough alone. So I think that's probably what happened. And you're right. Trump laid the trap. We all know what the Republican talking points would have been um, had President Obama come out and, you know, made this big speech about Russian hacking on, on, on behalf of Trump. So I think that's what was happening. You're right. And I do think that that was a prevailing factor in the White House that, well, we can sort this out afterwards. Hillary yeah. Clinton is going to win. Everything that we see points to a Hillary Clinton win. But I do think that if the electoral process was being hacked, I think the president had an obligation to do something or say something about it. I I, I just I think it's the right thing to do. You're right. I, they would have walked into a trap. It would not have been pretty. But if those are the facts and the facts are that plain, I think you got to do something about yeah, it. Yeah, and I it's think, look, right it's, it's just symptomatic of where we are with our politics, right? The yeah. fact that the sitting president, if the sitting president comes out and says, hey, there's another country that is intervening in our elections, that's seen as a political story. Yeah. And it's not. That's right. a security story. Right. Right? And so... That's more of a symptom of a larger illness with our politics. That, that's how I would describe it. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And it also, I think, shows I, – look, I, I, I think Donald Trump is not the master tactician that everybody no. gives him credit for. I think th- this idea that 
he's distracting people from the actual like I just don't think that's true. He's just a Fox News grandpa. But I will but I will Hello, Jerry. I will I will <laughs> I will give him credit for being the type of person and we all know people like this who will do everything to just avoid blame and to come out on top. So like, cockroaches know how to survive. This is what's frustrating to me about the media. It's 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 patently obvious what the president is doing. Yeah. Every time he tweets, every time he says something outlandish, it's the oldest trick in the book, yeah. right? Like, you know, get him talking about something else so they don't talk about what they should be focused on. Yeah. And that's every week of this administration, which we're only about six months into. Just yeah. as a reminder to the rest of America that we've got another three and a half years of this. Um but God. that's what he's that's what he's trying to do. I actually he's trying winced to, yeah. when you said that. I know. It's it's a hard reality oh, to face. Oh. I mean, we are not even at Labor Day. I mean I know. we're like we we <laughs> there is God. a there are a lot of seasons of Trump left. Oh boy. All right. Oh man. Still letting that sink in. Man. Um so Let's switch gears because the the White House on Friday had an on camera press briefing with no, Sean okay. Spicer, and he sort of laid the groundwork, saying like, "Eh, we might not have these all the time." That first clip, Jamie, where he says like, "It doesn't matter if they're on TV or wherever; just you know, we're gonna do our thing, and you'll eat whatever we give you." I think it's it's great for us to come out here and have a substantive and discussion about policies. I don't think that the be all and end all is whether it's on television or not. Uh, help or hurt the idea of having the press briefings not on camera. So my big frustration about, again, just fanning out for a second, we have become accustomed to Donald Trump break. You know, it's kind of like if you break all, if you break all the rules, then, then the referee doesn't know which one to call. It's like, I mean, we were just watching NBA finals a couple weeks ago, right? Let, let's say if, a, if, if if one team goes out and sets the tone early in the game, we're just going to foul everybody because yeah, yeah, yeah. they can't call a foul on every single play. <laughs> right, and so right. we should we, we talked about this a couple of months ago when he came out and he made Jared Kushner his, his, his one of his top aides. That's his son-in-law that breaks, um, obviously, years of tradition and, and nepotism laws, right? That's a small thing in the grand scheme of things, right? Like it's son-in-law. But it shows the that – they're not going to be married to any norms. They're not going to be married to any customs. And I think these press briefings are the same way. And what I'm frustrated with is that the mainstream news media is not holding them accountable for this right. the way they should. No. And I think they should boycott. If if you really want to send a message to the White House press corps, how about go a day where you where you do a blackout? Yeah. Um. Of of any any kind of I, I don't I don't want to get a, a sketch rendering. This is not the this is not the Bill Cosby trial. I don't want a sketch rendering of of, of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, you know, in the in the you know, the, it was a very nice drawing I saw. Sure, right, right, right. I I I think that we're playing along with this, and I think that the, the right. news media is playing along with this, and I think that's the biggest issue that I have is that no one is actually standing up and saying, you know what, we're not going to play your game. Trump needs the media. The media needs Trump. Absolutely. And I thought it was cute that some of the reporters went to that first off-camera briefing and, like, tweeted out a photo of their socks. Or, like, no, keep the cameras on. 
Keep the cameras on. Keep the recorders Let on. Let them throw you out. I would have. I Let would have said. You I literally. I would have kept the recorder on and said, Sean, we don't agree to this. Right. That's we're not. The, we're not. We don't agree to this. This is not. This is. This. This is not what we're going to do. That's the thing that really bothers me about all this is they're putting out these things. That say this is the guidance agreement. Is we will not be careful. Well, nobody agreed to that. Yeah. You just decreed that that was the thing, and the press are just going to roll over and let you do it. And they're going to no, keep. Don't agree to it. And they're going to keep doing it as long as they feel like no one is really going to hold them accountable. Listen, they want this to be like, you know, a Russian state-run government, anyway, you know, where, where you've got Russian TV, you know, you've got RTV pretty much as the, the arm of the Russian government that's going out in the propaganda machine yeah, uh, for yeah, Putin. Yeah. That's what they want Fox News to be, and they don't, they're going to treat everybody else like they don't matter. So I think, I think that's what's going on here. I'd love to see it happen. I'd love to see him just say, hey, you know what? Screw this. We're yes. not going. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I don't think it's going to happen either. It looks like CNN is actually getting very, very uh, exercised and worked up about it. Uh, You know know what, though? You're right. And Jim Acosta, I think, is doing a good job in in that sense. But it also, like, he said he's not going to do it unless everybody else does it. Well, because it's competitive, right? And so they don't want to. But that's the problem. (laughs) But that's the problem. I just. That's the White House behind me. The White House. (laughs) Yeah. He's fed great, up. That's a great drop. He is. Great. He is fed up. He is really fed up. Um, I, I want to move into some of the healthcare stuff yeah, with let's you because it. this is a a crucial, critical week. Um, are we, first of all, are we gonna, are we going to have the vote this week? So there's a couple schools of thought in this, and I and I heard your previous conversation with your previous guest. So up until this weekend, I was operating under the assumption that. Mitch McConnell is the ultimate parlor game player. He's not going to hold a vote that he's going to lose. Okay. Now I'm starting to get the sense that the Republican <laughs> thought on this is if we're going to lose, let's do it quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right? Yeah, yeah. Like, let's not let this linger, which actually That's strategically smart. I think is smart. Yeah. Because Mitch McConnell knows that his entire agenda is held hostage by health care. Yeah. And so if you're going to lose this thing anyway, if you're not going to if you're ultimately not going to have success on health care, why let this drag out through the 4th into July? Have the vote now. If it's lost, it's lost. And you move you've on. done you've done your part. I mean, we moving so quickly that we get swept under the rug I, real quick. I think he's trying to get 50 votes, but I'm just doing the math here and I can count like everybody else. I mean, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Shelly Moore, Capit. I mean, there's some people like that too. Yeah, I, I'm just doing the math. I don't, I don't see the numbers there. They're not gonna get to fifty. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think so. I mean, unless there's, unless there's some backroom deal that's being worked out, which is very possible, since they're, you know, they seem to be legislating this entire bill behind closed doors. The problem is, you've got too many people that are part of the undecideds that needed to be more of a. It, more of a bill with heart, yeah. as Donald Trump might say, and some that want to make it a little meaner. And you're not going to find any common ground between the reason that Ted Cruz doesn't like it and the reason that. Uh, uh, I mean, they've got the Koch Susan brothers, Collins. They've got the Koch brothers actively lobbying against this bill. It's crazy. I, it's so. My they're going to lose is, this if they have it this week. I think so. And also remember too, even if they do pass this, this thing's still got to go to conference. It's still got to be reconciled between the two chambers, between the House and the Senate. And then you've got to still vote on another version of it through the House and the Senate. So I, you know, I think the Republicans also, also here too, you know, part of McConnell's calculus is, do we actually want to own health care? Do we want to allow Obamacare to still be the brand name on health care? Do we want it to be Republican 
Obamacare or do we want it to be Trump care? You know, do we do we do we as Republicans want to own this? And I'm not convinced that the kind of steady hands leading the party believe that they want to own health care. Yeah. Because I don't think they think it's a priority. So now that leaves one big giant void on health care where the Democrats could march right through and lead. Which Democrats do know how to govern. When we yeah. can we can we can show that narrative that they know what they're doing. It's not always perfect, but they know what they're doing. So you worked with Hillary Clinton who was not the strongest voice for single payer. Yeah. Um, I think we're at a point right now where Democrats have to show that they have a better plan for health care. And I think that plan should be single payer. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll remind you, I also worked for John Edwards. There we go. All right. He okay. was a very strong there voice. There you go. There you so, go. There you go. I got the entire spectrum covered. <laughs> yeah. it, th- this is interesting because I do think that there is a path that is starting to um, open up yeah. where single payer is becoming realistic. And you look at some of the states, the states are leading where the federal government isn't. I know. Right? Look yeah. at California. That's the world we live in. Right? Now. I mean, that's that. And, and so I don't know if you still have, because remember, in 2020, a Democrat still has to defend single payer. And Republicans are very good at messaging against health care. Yeah, they are. The Republicans aren't good at health care right now because they have to be on the offensive. Right. But on the defensive, they are very hard to deal with on health care. Um, I think that someone in the party would be very smart to come up with a compromise measure on Obamacare that tweaks and fixes the things that because I actually think that's what Trump wants. I think Trump wants a middle path bill that Democrats can own part of. He, he wants somebody to come wants. up with that. You're yeah. Right. He, want, he wants someone to do that work for him. He keeps hinting at it. He keeps hinting at the fact that, hey, I want Democrats and Republicans to come together on this. The problem is no one's told the leadership of his party. That's right. Because I don't think that Reince Priebus wants that. I don't think Mitch McConnell wants that. I don't think Paul Ryan wants that. If Democrats come up with a single-payer bill and they can show that it has heart and that it covers more people— Donald Trump would sign that. Bill. We also should have never taken single payer off the table. No, that to is begin with, and that's the and that's the I, ultimate, I will, that's the ultimate issue. I will scream that as they lower me into even, my grave, even as a even as a negotiating tactic, right? Right. Even, even if you a, weren't going to end up yeah, there, yeah. Like the, the, so, so like as great of a president as Barack Obama was, yeah. and as far as he took this country forward, there are so many problems with this idea that if you give up your high ground right off the bat. To compromise, you're going to be bargaining on that compromise. You, you see what these guys are doing now that it's they're in charge. They're not, they're not. They are not giving up any high ground. No, no. <laughs> I mean, look, Barack Obama was elected with maybe one of the uh, most resounding majorities that we've yep. ever seen in Washington. He had two years where he had a where he, he had, had a firm grip a on firm majority, yeah. and he couldn't even put card check on the table. Yeah. Like, Republicans don't operate like that. They yeah. weren't going to wait. Yeah. yeah and they, I'm, I'm not here to dump on him, but I, I think that, like, Democrats have got to go back and say, this wing of the party wants single payer. This is why this and, works, and, and this is something that we should and look, look despite at. Despite all that, I think Obama, look, Obamacare, if you're, if we, we talked about baseball a little bit earlier. Sure. Look, I think Obamacare is a double. It's not a home Okay, run. fair. I think it's a double. That's fair. Um, but I, but I do think that it was a mistake to take that off the table, take single payer off the table as a negotiating tactic early on. Um, and I'm curious to see who of the 2020 field, like how is this gonna, how is this gonna manifest itself That's where it's with gonna be Elizabeth Warren, yeah. with um, Cory Booker, 
with any of the other contenders. Like I, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see who's going to stake out the left flank. Yeah. On this. Yeah. You know. Because I do think it's time. I do think it's time that 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 Democrats sort of say, "This is our plan." Is that? Do you think it's? I mean, t- tactically, like, is this a moment? The problem where is, see? you're not going to get the entire party behind that. The, the, yeah. I mean, you you've got to remember, you've got Heidi Heitkamp, mm-hmm. Joe Manchin, Claire McCaskill, John Tester. You've got a lot of people who, in their districts, in their states, that's that's a non-starter. I mean, yeah. you've got a lot of Trump states where that's going to be tough. Um, so as much as you and I sitting here, or, or even if we know that that's ideally that's the best place to go on health care, I don't know if the politics allow for that. Mm. Um, just in some of the vulnerable Democratic areas, I'd like to see. I'd hey. like to see. I'd like to see him try. It's worth a try. Uh, okay, so one name in this whole thing is Bernie. That, 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 that factors into the the whole health care fight is Bernie Sanders. He was out with Move On over the weekend. Uh, and Jamie, can we play? I want to play that last clip again because I, I just think it's it's really smart and something that Democrats should listen to. There's no great secret that the Affordable Care Act is far from perfect. Our job now is to improve it, not destroy it. So, like we were saying, this is the moment. How 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 do they improve it? Um. I, I'm a guy that thinks the Democrats should follow Bernie Sanders' lead on this a little bit. I know he's not even a Democrat, and that's a fair point from a lot of people that we hear. But I, I think that, you know, swing for the fences, man. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. And and look, maybe this is and, – and so this this creates kind of an issue, right? Because if you're Chuck Schumer, do you play ball with Donald Trump here? Mm. Like, just, you know, you, you look – it's tough. I, I, I would I would argue that this is maybe an opportunity where you could actually go and you could have a positive impact on the debate. Um, but do you want to give anything to Donald Trump right now? And, and do you also do you trust Donald Trump? No. With that. You should never, ever, ever. Right. Trust Donald and, Trump. And, You're and right. So I think that's the I think that's the issue. You know, does Nancy Pelosi, does Chuck Schumer, does Steny Hoyer, um, does all the, the kind of Democratic leaders, do they feel like sitting at a table with Donald Trump and saying, hey, let's hammer out an agreement on health care? Yeah. I know we've given a lot of lip service to it, but let's be honest, none of those folks are rushing down the 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to do that. Yeah. No, that's a good point. By the way, we had a couple of tweets uh, reminding me that uh, John Conyers has introduced H.R. 7676. It's Medicare for All. It has more sponsors now than ever before, so check it out. I appreciate the heads up on that. We'll have to take a look. H.R. 676, Medicare for All. From John Conyers. John Conyers, that's a guy, when we're talking about Democrats, we should be lining up behind. John Conyers, is, that's a guy I'll line up behind. Strong. He's been at it for a long time, and he's been strong for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I, we're going to ask uh, Igor Babich from the Huffington Post is going to be here in like five minutes, and he's got a couple things on uh, the Democratic leadership, and I want to just jump into that conversation before he gets here because there is some heat around Nancy Pelosi and mm. whether or not she should step aside for the Democrats. Where do you fall on that, Joel? So here's what I would say. Put you right on the hot seat. Yeah, I know. Seriously, right? I don't think that Nancy Pelosi is the reason why we lost these four special elections. I, I I don't know if you can hang that around her and say that that's her issue. I will, however, say I think that you could argue we need to flush leadership mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And that's not that that is that should not be seen as a demerit against Nancy Pelosi, right? She's been for for the time that she's been here, she has been a fantastic leader for the party, both in terms of 
um, enforcing discipline in the House, fundraising, et cetera. There's a lot of good things on the Nancy Pelosi legacy. But I do think you need to turn over leadership at times. And, I, and, I, and I can understand that. I, I, I'm, I'm not the person that goes and thinks that we got to go and sweep them out right now. But I, it'd be nice to think that maybe there was a plan in place to transition leadership that, for, for next Congress. That is similar to so what my old, Similar to what my old boss, Harry Reid, did. Because I think, look, you're in leadership for a decade. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah, that's a she's she's spanned three presidents: Bush, Obama, and Trump. You know, realistically, her leader her leadership has think about that. She spanned three presidents. That's a long time a long to be time. to be the face of a party in Congress. That's a long but, time. By the way, it's worth noting she was on one of the other morning shows this morning. She said, and this is kind of obvious. We kind of could assume this is that if Hillary had won, she likely would have quote gone home. Huh? Well, I think pre- previously, mm. I think her position, I don't had know if been, I believe that, but I, I think her position said- had been, um, you know, look, the party needs strong leadership, experienced leadership now more than ever, because there's a vacuum by the Hillary loss. I, I, I get that. I just think that, look, we need fresh blood. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, it has nothing to do – believe me, as someone who spent five months on the campaign trail with Hillary Clinton, I understand misogyny very well. Oh, yeah. And she's right about it. She's, she is, she is right. right about it. No, look, She's th- right that that's part of what the Republican attack machine is all about against Nancy Pelosi. It is partially misogyny. I've I said totally this, agree with I, that. I've said this a hundred times. But I don't times. think this is about misogyny. I don't think this is about misogyny. No, I, I've said this a hundred times. I think that one of my biggest takeaways from the election in general is – and I say this as a white man, so like – Congratulations. I'm waking up to things that everybody else already knew. Uh, But, like, it's really, really easy to get away with saying terrible things about women. Yeah. I I mean, it's really not that hard. Yeah. And there's a reason that the the face of the Democratic Party, that the, the, the boogeyman, if you will, of the Democratic Party, Nancy Pelosi and Elizabeth Warren. Because they're women. Yeah, and and I think the perfect storm that's created is that she's from San Francisco. She's from a wealthy background. Like she's like I, I I think if you have someone from the middle of the country who maybe does not, who's not so easily, anyone's going to be parodied, right? I mean, we're we're going to parody Paul Ryan. Okay, anyone's going to be parodied, but let's not maybe make it so easy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's that's exactly (laughs) it. That's exactly it. (laughs) We're going to talk more about Nancy Pelosi with Igor Babich from HuffPost, who's going to be in with us uh, in about a minute or so, a couple minutes or so. Uh, the the last thing I'll say on the Nancy Pelosi thing is, more to your point that you said earlier, if she just said now. Hey, we're, I'm going to. I'm out. Away. Yeah. I'm out. I'm going to be here for another year and a half. Twelve years, man. Yeah. I mean, she's been, she's, she's, and and even if you think about her as a whip and, and whatnot before, I mean, she's, she's. <laughs> She is. She's been there for a long time. She's she's had a very long run, and it's a storied run. And it's a run that we as Democrats should be proud of. That, sure. that she's been the, the first female speaker, and she did a really good job. Yeah. And she did a lot to forward our agenda, and we should all be grateful. Yeah. And and we should be ready to maybe see what's next. Uh, at BP Show is where you could find us on Twitter. At BP Show is where you could find us on Twitter. You could find Joel on Twitter at Payne D C P A Y N E D C. You can follow me at Peter Ogburn. You can follow Jamie at J Benson DC. Jamie, nothing from the mail sack today, huh? No, sir. The mail sack. Uh, uh, that's a bummer. Not been receiving any new materials. All right, that's. I always love when you get. We, we, Jamie gets viewer mail. 
very specific viewer mail. Well, it's about you, man. <laughs> I'm sure it goes up when you're in that chair, right? Mm, yeah. you'd be only, only when he wears the denim jacket. You'd be shocked. You'd be summer shocked. too hot. All Except right, you wear jorts, though. So I, I I'm out of myself as a jorts wearer. I wear jorts, and <laughs> I'll tell. Hey, I'll I'll have that fight any day of the week. Uh, anyway, find us on Twitter, and uh, we're gonna take a very quick break. We'll be right back with Igor Babich from HuffPost. Stay tuned. You That's think right. Nancy Pelosi is more toxic than Donald Trump? You know what? The honest answer is, in some areas of the country, yes, she is. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show, 34 minutes past the hour. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. And what a show we have for the rest of the hour. I'm joined by both our friend Joel Payne and Igor Babich from HuffPost. He's associate politics editor. Hey, hey. How you doing? Excellent. How are you? I'm well. Happy Monday. Thank y'all both for being here. Uh, Monday, June 26, as, which I still can't quite figure. It's six months into the Trump administration. Yeah. Feels what, like twenty-two weeks. Yeah. No one's who's mean? counting though. Ah, no, nobody. Right. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> twenty-two weeks. Uh, all right, guys. I want I want to pick this up with a conversation Joel and I were just having, and Igor, it's something you wrote about uh, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is ready for a fight. She is being blamed, unfairly or fairly by some people, for recent losses in the Democratic uh, midterm elections Mm -hmm. and just the general hashtag dims and disarray state that we are in right now. Uh, She is not backing down, though. No. Doesn't seem like it. Characteristic Nancy Pelosi. She's uh, telling, telling everybody, you know, come at me. Come at, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Yeah. Respect any uh, and, opinion and that uh, respect yeah. any opinion um, that members no, she, have. Uh, she's facing oh, but, um, some doubts, uh, some some increasing chatter, but it's still you know it's percolating, but it's not really up to you know full blown yeah. panic level. Yeah. Uh, I did find it interesting that last week she sent out uh, her her press shop, her team sent out a list of talking points for supporters to you know tweet out. Messages to, yeah. uh, to shore up. Some that could of work. That could totally yeah. work. That's a great thing to do. How'd that go? Yeah, uh, she's she's good now. You know, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, there's still some time uh, for me. You I know, did see, by the way, that she sent out a list of like things to tweet right. about the uh, AHCA with the hashtag Stand with Nancy, mm-hmm. and there were like 160 characters, <laughs> like. They yeah, don't quite get it. Right. <laughs> Gotta get that character limit. That's, sort that's of, a fail. That's that's, that's a, fail. a pretty big fail without spaces. Right. Yeah. I I I just I find it interesting <laughs> that she how big of a target she's just become, and you kind of see this all the time after an election loss. Democrats just panic and put their head in the yeah. sand and oh my god we're you know everything's a mess it's it's a nightmare. Um, whereas you know if if a couple thousand votes would have been a difference and they would be celebrating right now. Um, and to attribute her as being the overarching loss in Georgia, I think, is a little much. It's a little silly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you think that yeah, the, the Repub- or the Democrats are losing these midterm elections because of Nancy Pelosi, uh, that's a that's a quantum leap. 
I, I, I did, yeah. I, what struck me uh, about that race was how much the Republicans went at her and how little uh, Democrats, you know, tied Karen Handel, the Republican candidate, to yeah. Republican Congress, to Donald Trump. Um, there was a mismatch in strategy where, you know, looking back, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But yeah. um, I do wonder what would have happened if they went fully uh, down that road. Oh, I can tell you what would have happened. John Ossoff would have won. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that would have absolutely been the case. But, like, it's... It, I'll say this about Nancy Pelosi, right? Because I know that people like to demonize her and make her into a bad guy. Obamacare... Really? I mean, you should call that Pelosi care. Obamacare exists because Nancy Pelosi knew how to get it done and get it through. She's a scrapper. And we've talked about Mitch McConnell and, and what he's done for the Republican Party. Nancy Pelosi has done a whole hell of a lot Absolutely. for the Democratic Party. A whole hell of a lot. All that being said, it's time for her to go. <laughs> I, have a, I have a comment question. Um, I think she she was anticipating this at the beginning of this session of Congress. That's why she had kind of stacked some of the kind of junior ranks of her leadership with some younger folks. I think Swalwell, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, kind of some of the messaging type folks. It, has she felt like or has her team felt like that's been effective in buffering her? Or, or you know, is she surprised by this? Did they anticipate that they were going to get this kind of reaction to some special election losses? I, I had to imagine. I mean, she, she hasn't been in, in Congress for, for decades yeah. for nothing. Um, what I do find interesting is that because of her hold on the top spot, um, some of her younger, more skilled junior members of her leadership team have ditched the House. You know, you, you saw Van Hollen jump to the Senate. Mm. You saw Xavier Becerra um, Attorney General head of California. Right. Head over, head over West, you know, <laughs> into paradise, rode, rode out into the sunset. So uh, it, it ha there has been a negative effect in, in that sense in draining the, the bench. Um, and now what you have are a couple of younger uh, Democratic members, uh, Kathleen Rice in New York, uh, Seth Moulton, um, who are, you know, they're, they have legitimate concerns. And I, and I, I think Pelosi knows that um, the next two years are going to be really critical in, in whether she can deliver the House. By the way, on the Democrats and how they move forward, I do have a little bit of breaking news. This is a Bill Press Show breaking news update. That's right. We have a breaking news update. Jamie Benson, bring it to us. Donald Trump has tweeted, uh, a little worried here, it's a little late here in the morning. Uh, Donald Trump has said on Twitter, quote, the Democrats have become nothing but obstructionists, in all caps. They have no policies or ideas. All they do is delay and complain. They own Obamacare. Right, it's the first it tweet. There's a yeah. second tweet. The second tweet reads, The reason that President Obama did nothing about Russia after being notified by the CIA of meddling is that he expected Clinton would win. There's two periods there. I don't oh, know we if, have another tweet I, coming. I well, That's part one. Maybe. Maybe. I do I do think he's right about the uh, the Obama not doing anything about Russia tweet. But onto the, uh, the, that, that tweet about the obstructionists. Uh they own Obamacare. They do kind of own Obamacare, but that also means they have the chance to fix it. I, I mean, I don't know. Ah, I mean, that's right. Uh, well, Obama's no longer president. As much as Donald Trump would love to believe otherwise that Hillary Clinton was in the office or Barack Obama, who we tweeted about this weekend too, as <laughs> right. well. Hillary Clinton. He's he's in the White House and he's going to be held accountable for health care. It, it's one sixth of the economy, and whatever he does with it or doesn't do it, it's going to affect him and his party because they're in control of government. So as much as you'd want to believe otherwise, uh, he's going to be owning it. What we've seen about Donald Trump is he needs an opponent. 
yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so he 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 tends to succeed um, when he has some one or something to run against. So that's why I think you keep seeing him drop Hillary Clinton, even though Hillary Clinton is hanging out in Chappaqua with her grandchildren <laughs> right now. Um, that's why he keeps dropping Barack Obama, even though he's probably hanging out with Richard Branson and some uh, fancy. Uh, he's, he's actually South, breaking South news. Pacific he's island. He's in a boat in Bali right now. Is he really? They're, doing, they're rafting in Bali. We are all Barack Obama. <laughs> oh my God. We are all Barack Obama. But this but he needs is a Bill Press show oh. breaking news update. We have another breaking news update, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> No, that was just Igor and the President Obama. Oh, 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 the Bali thing. Oh, all right, good, 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 good. No, that's that, that totally counts. That's totally worthy of the liner, by the way. Yeah, that, the whole thing about yeah. uh, Trump needing an opponent I think is pretty smart. I mean, even yesterday, he, Hillary Clinton, I'm just looking at the name. Like, he's tweeted Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders. You know, he's just uh, like, His own Justice Department. His own Justice Department <laughs> to fight with. Sure, yeah, what the hell. Um Okay, so just really, I'm just a little scatterbrained here, but I want to come back to the Nancy Pelosi thing but it was after the breaking news stuff. Uh, so where do Democrats go? I mean, if, if Nancy Pelosi is not the answer, not the way forward for Democrats, where do they go? Who are the, some of the, the faces that, that we could be seeing? I, really, there's, there's not much. You know, you've got Tim Ryan, uh, representative from Ohio, mm. uh, who mounted the strongest challenge in years to Pelosi's tenure. Last year in the leadership elections, I believe he, he got somewhere close to 60, north of 60 votes. Mm. Um, and a- after that, you've got Steny waiting in the wings, Steny Hoyer. Uh, also old white guy. an old <laughs> elderly white man. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's, it's been a drain, and uh, this, is, this is what the issue is. And, and you, know, you go out there, you talk to Democratic activists, party activists, the base. They're hungry for change. Um, and this is what she's got to confront uh, her party with. She's got to make the case that she can still deliver um, after all these this string of losses. Don't don't think that's not purposeful, by the way, too. That her leadership team they they all average about seventy in age, and that none of them none of them the the, the high leadership, yeah, and that none of those folks are really going to mount serious challenges to her, right? Um, you know, I don't think Steny Hoyer or Jim Clyburn or any of those folks are really going to go after her spot. No way. And I think that's part of the reason why she's probably okay despite all the scuttlebutt is because there's really not – Tim Ryan has this kind of ragtag bunch of folks <laughs> on the side here, but there's really no organized effort in place to unseat her. I think that's kind of scary. I mean, I think that's absolutely something the Democrats should have been thinking about for a lot longer instead of letting them build this little empire that now – what? what? What are we going to do? <laughs> and if you look, compare it to the Senate side, there was always a succession, succession plan in place after my old boss, Harry Reid. Um, yeah, Chuck I, Schumer, it, he, he, and he identified that, and I think he saw the Schumer wave coming, mm-hmm. and I think he anticipated that about three or four years before it came, and he put him there, and he, had, he knew that Schumer was coming after him, and so yeah. he knew that he had to create a situation where he could control it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think last week, uh, Pelosi held her weekly press conference where she, you know, kind of challenged the critics to come at her. But she also said something that, you know, it, it was reflective of where she was last year. Um, and in some years that she really didn't feel like she wanted to run for, for leader. She felt like she could step down. Last year, though, was very instructive. It was a, it was a critical point uh, in the nation that she wanted to, you know, be there and challenge Donald Trump and win back the House. She felt like she had to do it. So I think in two years, I think that most likely we'll be seeing the Adam Nancy Pelosi. Mm. Yeah, one thing that she could do, I mentioned this earlier, she could just announce now. 
I'm I'm not going to be leader in 2018. And that that takes away that opportunity for Republicans to use her as much as a punching bag. Right? Like they they're going to keep doing it, but I mean, if you just say, like, eh, eh, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm not going to be around anyway, so what are you beating up on me for? He's also in an interesting position because, look, Democrats could realistically net, what, 10 or 15 seats in the House and still sure. and still be in the minority. Mm-hmm. So she could technically have a good cycle and still not necessarily achieve the goal. So I, I wonder what the, you know, what what's the, what does what a win look like for right. Democrats right. Uh, in Congress? The other point, too, is... You know, there's there is a degree of sexism in in the debate over Nancy Pelosi's age. Huge. Whether she she should step down or should not. She makes a point where you know it's legitimate point. Nobody's asking about Mitch McConnell, who is also seventy six, seventy seven, something like that. Sure. Um, I, I'd and, be shocked if he wasn't older than Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what the difference is is uh, legislative victories. So <laughs> that, that would be the well. There is that. Right. Uh, yeah, Mitch McConnell is seventy five years 35. young. Nancy Pelosi, 77 years young. Right. So. Um, the topic of the week is going to be all about the health care bill. The Senate has it. They said they're going to, they say they're going to vote this week. We'll see if that actually happens. I'm, I don't know. I just don't see how this is going to play out well either way for Republicans. It's either going to not pass or they're going to have to push the bill, the vote back. Yeah. I mean, there's a good chance. Um, there's going to be, we're going to see a lot of, uh, Horse trading, wheeling and dealing this week. Um, a lot of offers, a lot of corn husker kickbacks. Hey, uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of uh, maybe an Alaska purchase. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, okay. I'm, I'm struggling to th- come up with puns. Right. <laughs> uh, um, now, there's going to be, it's going to be touch and go. There's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be a, a setback. Um, right now, it's looking like the Republicans are losing more and more. Yeah. Senators, both, both on the far right and, and on the moderate. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin um, published an op-ed in the New York Times today laying out several pretty you know, hard things for them to come up with to, to get his vote. That's the problem is you've got one wing that like Mike Lee and Ted Cruz and Rand Paul that this doesn't go nearly far enough. And then you've got this other wing of uh, Susan Collins and uh, Ben Sass's of the world. Ben Sass. Although I think he said he's, I mean, he's not one of the no's. Ben he said he didn't want to comment. He said he was still reading the bill. He'll vote this week. He'll, I, yeah. <laughs> he wants to be president. One he's, day. A, yeah. he's, it's, a good, he's a good boy. It's a Goldilocks problem, right? Right. You can take, you can take it left. You can take it right. You're going you're gonna to lose. And either way, you're going to lose votes. Right. So, that, I mean, I think they really do have a serious problem there for that, for that reason. They do, but, you know, they can come back after their July 4th break and take another stab at it. That's exactly what we saw in the House. You know, at a certain point, we, we all thought it was dead. Yeah. They came back yeah. and did it. So sure did. You, you just you never know. Two things quickly. One, yeah. I want to go with the main miracle for Susan Collins. I think that's one. <laughs> the main miracle. There you go. The main okay. miracle. There you go. I was I had two minutes to think about that. <laughs> Good one. And and two, you know, Igor, uh, question for you. Do you think that McConnell actually really wants to pass a bill? Uh, that's something that I've kind of heard a lot of chatter about the last 48, 72 hours. John Yarmouth was on our show last week. He said he thinks McConnell just doesn't want to see this pass. And he's fine if he loses because Mitch yeah. McConnell knows how to count. He does. Yeah. So, um, and he knows how to bring his members in line. Yeah, he knows how to crack the whip. He can control I, his caucus. Th- so this is the question. I'm, you know, I'm on the hill every day. I'm talking to reporters, lawmakers, and everybody's asking, "Does McConnell really want to pass this bill?" And I, I'm on the fence as well. I don't know. He obviously has scheduled this vote this week because he wants to. He just wants to get it over with. It's been, you know, six months. Remember, the initial plan was to get this. The, the the repeal bill passed in January, 
Um, and then they had these hangups in the house that delay the whole thing. So this is for him. This is six months already too long. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he does want to get it over with. But he does if if he has another shot after the break. I think he he will take. Uh, you wrote about a very interesting crisis. I hate to put it that way, a very interesting crisis, but a, but a very real crisis in America, the opioid treatment and That's how right. the uh, GOP health bill takes a look at that. How serious is this for people who aren't paying attention? It's extremely serious. Yeah. Um, you had a president who ran on fixing the opioid crisis. It, I believe, helped him win the New Hampshire primary. Uh, in New Especially Hampshire. in places like New Hampshire, right. New England, I mean, it is out of control. Right. He, you know, he brought on uh, former addicts on stage with him and campaign and made it this big issue, um, where every to the point where everybody thought there was going to be legitimate progress. And you have a, a bill in the Senate now that includes only two billion um, to address and and provide funding for ad- addiction recovery programs. Um, that is about give or take. Uh, Two and a half billion short of the money that you would be taking out of Medicaid, which also covers those programs. Um, you've got some Good senators. De- you've got some senators demanding, um, you know, forty-five billion. That uh, doesn't look like they're going to get that amount of funding. But as of now, where things stand, it's it dramatically underfunds uh, addiction, uh, substance abuse program funding. Um, so Man. it's it's a very very real program problem right now where uh, if you're going to cut Medicaid, you're going to affect those programs, and it's going to be disastrous to people who are on them. But wait, Sean Spicer and Kellyanne Conway said there were going to be no cuts to Medicaid at all. Hmm. But then when you look at it, it's $880 billion cut to Medicaid. So He's committed. No, oh, sorry. That's all right. No, forget it. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't want to hear from Sean Spicer. I, right I, enough of that. You know, I think the mistake, maybe it's not a mistake, maybe it's just, you know, we fall into this trance that we keep making is, let's remember what President Obama was quoted as saying about Donald Trump when he met with him. He's a BSer. Yeah. Okay, th- this guy, he didn't have a plan. He he spoke about that. He talked about that to win votes. He doesn't he know what Medicaid is. He doesn't know that. what an op- opioid he doesn't is. Under, he doesn't understand the opioid crisis. He oh. said that to win votes. Um, he's he's disingenuous. He's proven himself to be disingenuous on a number of occasions. So, um, you know, I know I have the advantage of saying that, Igor. I'm not going to put that on you. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what we're underestimating here is that Trump did. He doesn't he doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't know if that's more offensive. The fact that he doesn't know or he doesn't care. Yeah. I don't know which one's more offensive. Yeah, that's a good point. The opioid crisis, I think we're going to look back at in a generation and just be like, this is when we completely ignored something ruined parts of the country. You, you mean like the crack epidemic in yes. the African American community which I do. which which as as a uh, African American who um you know it's very interesting to see the public reaction to the opioid crisis and how it differs from the crack epidemic or also um you know drugs like marijuana and how people react to that the fact that you've got Jeff Sessions who's trying to roll back all the Obama era yeah. uh, decriminalization of, of, of uh, mar- uh, marijuana, mm-hmm. but how opioids is still a crisis. I think, I think there's, a, there's a lack of parity there that we got to address. This 100%. Opioids. Yeah. 100%. Especially the debate in Congress and, and how that was born out there. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Or like, you know, the, the, what, how we looked at, you know, uh, the AIDS epidemic when it was first starting up, right? Like yeah. only it only affected gay people. And then not even give them help for Look, it. I think it's great that Chris Christie, you know, sat and, and cried and, and, and gave all these great speeches in New Hampshire about the opioid, opioid crisis. I just, as a New Jersey native, I wish he would have gone to Camden or Newark 
and done the same thing about you know crack yeah. or about uh, marijuana yeah. uh, in his own state. Yeah. So I mean, there are a lot of reasons that I think that the GOP health bill is a total mess. But like, this is this is a a, a big one. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit. This is sort of out of out of left field, but I wanted to ask you about this because you're an observer of the media, right? The White House continues as, as a part of the media. As a part of the of the of the media, you are an observer. Uh, the White House continues to tr- hold these off camera briefings and not letting people have as much access as they used to. Uh, I think, and I, I know Joel and I were talking about this earlier. I think they should just stop going. The media should just stop going. Forget the White House press briefing. Just don't go. If that's how they're going to treat you, just don't go. What's the danger in that? Well, you've it's a collective uh, collective issue problem, right? So yeah, yeah. if uh, let's say that the big networks stop going, NBC, ABC, Fox, Fox is going to be there. Fox uh, will still be there. The, the White House right. is going to bring in their own conservative media, which they've already begun to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the bright parts of the world. Um, and, and it's, it's a, it's going to be a power vacuum. It's going to suck in all the, like that, the, it's going to shift the coverage way to the right. Um, so that is in a perfect world. That's what should happen in reality. Um, I think, I think it would, it would, it would not solve the problem. But I also think that if the media cover, I, I don't disagree with you, by the way, I don't know that I have a, a definite answer on this, but I, but I think that if the media just stops going, I think you stop seeing these you know, press briefings as sport coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like no one's going to really watch anymore because it's all BS. Well, I think- and if you're doing real reporting, not that this is not that they aren't doing real, but but like real stories that aren't fed to you from the White House, right. then maybe that'll give people something else to watch. The, the briefings oftentimes are a farce. Oh, of questions course. asked, the, the answers given are a farce. But that said. Uh, we, as part of the media, are trying to represent uh, the public and what they, their questions and their their concerns to the administration, um, and it, it's it's a it's representative of democracy. Yeah. And if you shut that whole thing down, I, I just think it's it's a horrible way to go. But what I do think could happen and maybe should is somebody should stand up in one of these uh, press briefings and start recording. See what yeah. they do. See, are that, they going to throw you out? That exactly. <laughs> That's what I said. Would seeing in me that dramatic, they had the camera on the podium and then uh, podium, and then Sarah Huckabee Sanders walks out and they they pan the camera up to the ceiling and turn it off. Don't you have audio when that happened, Jamie? Uh, they're like in the briefing room. Blitzer is doing is talking from the studio, and then they just pan the camera up as Sarah Huckabee Sanders walks out. Now again, this isn't breaking with tradition. Uh, it's something that is pretty new to the Trump administration, and Sarah Huckabee is coming out now. And there it goes. Uh, all right. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, you saw Sarah Huckabee Sanders walk up to the lectern there on the podium. And they had uh, to kill but... it. And they had to kill it. Keep that camera on next time. <laughs> Make somebody come up to the CNN camera that's live on air and say, you need to turn that off. And I do think it's funny that, uh, <clears throat> according to recent reports, I think it was Politico, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has no interest in taking Sean Spicer's job. I wouldn't which, which tells you how, how bad that job must be. The worst job in America. Yeah. Without a doubt. That being said, that. I feel zero no, sympathy no, for no, Sean Spicer yeah. or Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah. Still the worst job in America. Yeah, yeah, pretty bad. You know, it's like the press briefings have almost been replaced by Twitter in the sense that the president, I mean, I mean, like. But, but so that that's what he's doing, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he doesn't want to have to speak through the mainstream media lens. He wants to go on Twitter. He wants to do rallies in front of friendly crowds. 
That's how he wants to communicate with the Americans. Someone's people. finally gotten to him and said, look, you're you're messing the message. Like, we have people going out there and trying to massage your message for you, and you keep undercutting it. And his answer is, if I just But he's convinced. The, they're convinced. The he, he's convinced, and they're convinced that he is the only messenger that can message anything for this administration, which, uh, you know, I, 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 I get their point. Uh, I think it's wrong, but I get I get what they're saying. He's the only person that can say what this administration yeah. feels and not be challenged. Listen, Joel, the tweet <laughs> speaks for itself. The tweet speaks for itself. <laughs> the tweets speak for themselves. The tweet speaks for itself. And we saw that play out last week with the, the, the Comey tapes. Like the fact that they fed that beast for so long that there might be that rumor that there might be tapes of the James Comey thing. I mean, Sean Spicer stood up there and said, the tweet speaks for but itself. But no, there was really hard-hitting reporting on Fox and Friends where, you know, she... What did she say? She said, but that's why you did that, right, Mr. President? That that was God. that was all the strategy, oh right? And like, yeah, I think yeah, it was pretty right. smart. Yeah, totally. It's kind of like when Phil Jackson said, I think I, I think we know what we're doing. Yeah, um, right. Oh, yeah, oh, I believe oh, that just as much. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, it's going to be a critical week. It's going to be a crucial week. We will see what happens with the health care bill. Will it actually be voted on this week? I am not so convinced of that. Uh, but I'm glad I got to finish out the show with two big brains, Joel Payne and Igor Bobich. Thank you both for coming in, especially here on a Monday. Uh, stay tuned to the Bill Price Show. We got lots of stuff coming up all week long. A cavalcade of network stars are coming in to fill in while Bill is on vacation. Uh, remember to go get the podcast. We're putting it up on iTunes in mere moments. It goes up very, very quickly. Subscribe to the show, download the show, and leave a comment if you are so inclined. If you don't do the iTunes thing, uh, just go to BillPressShow.com. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. My name is Peter Ogburn. We will see you all tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.